Well, it is good to be here. Yeah, maybe you saw that if you're looking online. You know, I heard, oh, Josh is going to come up. Well, I was standing over there, so I frantically ran through the back here because Josh was coming up. But uh, man, all I have to say is it is good to be here at Church on the Rock. Oh my goodness. You see, this church, see, here's the thing. I'm going to get in trouble now, and I'll be fine with that. Because this church is so special to me that even online, even though people are watching, other people are going to hear this. Guys, this is my favorite church. And here's the thing. I'm not kissing up. I don't have any reason to. This church supports me. But I want you to know that I love your pastors. I'm so sad that Brian and Carmen are not here today. But I love this church so much. We were here three years ago, and we made uh, such good friends with some of you, some of the congregation that I see out here. They are so dear to our hearts. And uh, I just want to say again, I am so grateful to be here. Uh, We had kind of a hard time as we were in Ecuador coming out of out of the gate. And uh, it was so great because it was this church that reached out to us in the midst of hardship. It was people from this congregation that reached out to us that uh, they said, we're praying for you. We're here with you. And so, again, I am really glad to be here today. So my name is Joshua Woolley. Uh, My family and I, we are missionaries to Ecuador. And so uh, we, we've worked in the Amazon basin with the Schwar, which were, uh, they were a group of headhunters. They were the ones that were known for shrinking heads. But uh, we worked in the, the Andes Mountains with a tribe called the Quechua. And now we're doing uh, e- even more. But all that to say is whether you know me or not, I want to be known. And I want to be known for being a man of expectation. I want to be known for being a man of prayer. So I'm going to pray this morning. Lord, Lord, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that you're moving in this church. God, there's nothing that's outside of your control. And so this morning, I ask that you speak, that you speak, God. Lord, I ask that you call, Lord, that your Holy Spirit, God, that we would hear it as you whisper to us. Thank you for your goodness, O Lord. Amen. So... Today, we are continuing. This is the last sermon in the series of Keeping the Change, where we look at the things that we've learned in this crazy quarantine in the midst of some chaos over the past few months. We look at the things that we've experienced in our lives that we want to hold on to, the things that we want to keep, this change. And so um, last week, Pastor Brian, he talked about keeping the load light. And this week, I'm talking about keeping it simple. So I had four points on how to keep it simple, but instead I I decided now I have two points on how to keep it simple. And uh, the first one is keep it simple. And uh, so I wanna tell you a story. And um, this story is a little bit uncomfortable. I'll say this, uh, Pastor Brian didn't give me permission to to tell this story. And if you're new to the church, or if, if you're watching online, please don't let this uh, offend you. Know that I just came out of the mountains a few months ago in Ecuador, but this story is a little bit uncomfortable, so I, I pray that it's not a train wreck as I tell this story. But uh, many of you know that after we arrived to Ecuador, it was shortly after, uh, in our home we had an explosion and a fire, and I was badly burned, and I was hospitalized in a jungle hospital. And a jungle hospital is as awful as it sounds. And so uh, I was in this jungle hospital, and after being there five days, they came and they, they took a urine sample from me. So, so the name of the story, if it had a name, was the cup of urine contains death. So I know, all right, it's uncomfortable, but here we go. So 
After five days of being in the hospital, they came and they took this, this sample, and then they, they came back and they started saying something to me. Now, I was, I was new to Spanish. I'd only had a little bit of Spanish training. And so uh, this is, uh, now I'm in the hospital where there's these, these medical terms that I don't understand. But luckily, I had my, my trusty cell phone and it was self-service. So I used Google Translate. And so this phrase that was very direct, it, it came out. The cup of urine contains death. So I didn't know what that mean, but it made me a little fearful, and I could tell that this was something that was really important. And so then something else happened. You know, when things are uncomfortable, sometimes we tend to dance around being direct, right? When things, we, we don't necessarily want to come out and say them, we, we, we talk around them, we use figures of speech. Well, the thing that I learned is that Google Translate does not always help us with figures of speech. So, um, I'm, I'm in this hospital room. It's again, it's a jungle hospital. It, it's not very luxurious. I'm in there with five other patients and this is visiting hours. And so uh, the five other patients, their families are there. It looked like maybe even their extended family was there, but, but my wife showed up and she, she saw this message that, that, that seemed pretty bad and they start trying to explain, well, we need to do something. But I didn't understand what was going on and, and Google did not help me a bit. And so, I, I was a little concerned. I didn't know. And so it ended up coming that, that they went and they found my wife again after she had left. And, and the one lady that could speak a little bit of broken English, she said that, you know, we need to see a part of your husband that not many people get to see. And so it was a very uncomfortable thing. If, if you're feeling uncomfortable as you, you hear this story, imagine how I felt in the moment. And so um, all that to say is I was in this situation and all these people, the room is full. There's no curtains. It's, it's just this jungle hospital. And I felt very, very uncomfortable. And everyone was looking at me. And no one was looking at making eye contact. Everyone was just watching me. And so all that to say is that they checked everything and it was all fine. But the thing was, it's like, I'm like, is this a joke? Like, is this really like, this is what happened? Like everybody here. And all that to say is I was just, all that could go through my mind was, could you have just kept it simple? Could you have not tried to dance around this thing that, that was uncomfortable? Like you made everyone else uncomfortable in here. I don't know. But all that to say is, just keep things simple. Keep things simple. That, that's the point that I had is just, oh, I wish they could have just kept things simple for me as I felt so embarrassed. Um, moving on, all I have to say is uh, there are things that, that we complicate. We pollute our lives with excess. The same way that the conversation was polluted with excess in them telling what they had to do. You know, it was, it was interesting because I just, I felt so uncomfortable. I just said, just keep it simple. Keep it simple. And so last week, Pastor Brian, he, he referenced a passage in Hebrews. And this was Hebrews chapter 12. And he said this, this is Hebrews chapter 12. But um, he referenced this. And as we read this passage, it's important that we don't cherry pick from the New Testament verses, from the New Testament letters. Uh, these verses, it's, it's easy for us to go, oh, this applies to me. But we have to remember that these were letters that were written by apostles. They were written to specific churches about specific things. And so it's important that we read them contextually. So the author of Hebrews, they wrote 
Hebrews as a sermonic letter. And so what that means is the book of Hebrews, it's, it's a sermon in itself. And so sermonic letters are written to uh, reproof or as an exhortation. So Hebrews, we can take this verse as guidance for our own lives. And so Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight, the sin that which clings to us closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy was set before him, he endured the cross, despising shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So this passage right here, right in verse one, it says, let us lay aside every weight. Let us lay aside every weight, the sin that clings to us closely. Let us run with endurance like it's a race. Well, I've started uh, running for my health, not because I think it's fun. I do it exclusively for my health. Now, uh, I'm from Virginia and I was raised on a farm. And so for me, I was never into like athletic wear. You know, I, when I would ride my bike, I would wear jeans. But now I see the, the value of wearing like, like shorts and those types of things that, that are effective for running. And so all that to say is when I run in those types of things, I feel I can run faster. I can run much faster than this guy in, in Wranglers or whatever. I can run faster because I don't have the burden. I don't have the weight. So again, a sub point of that would be take off the things that burden you. Put on the things that make it easy. Make things simple for you. Take off the things that burden you. So last week, Brian, he also, he read this verse, and this is Matthew chapter 11, verse 30. And it says this, for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And he went on to explain that, that this, this verse is talking about when we yoke ourselves, when we connect ourselves with Christ, he helps carry the weight. He helps share the burden that we feel. He helps us to move through. Now, uh, I'll say this, that, that three years ago, we came here and we preached to church on the rock. And as we were here preaching at the church, uh, we had all these ideas about the things that we would be doing in Ecuador the things that we thought would be most effective. And what we learned is that some of those things that, were, that we thought would be effective were not the things that were very technical. They weren't the things that were hard to do. They weren't the things that seemed best initially, but instead the things that were simple, they were often the things that were most effective. As I was preparing for this, uh, I mentioned to, to a friend of mine this week, and I said, I really feel the weight of this. I feel the weight of my, my words. I feel that there's a burden that as I'm speaking, speaking to the people of Church on the Rock, like my words really need to carry weight as I share with them. And his response was this to me. It's not what you say, but who you are. It's not what you say, but who you are. Your responsibility is simply to be. And so I said to him, like, why, why don't you come and preach that? That seems like such a simple idea, and it really is. We need to be who God has called us to be. Keep it simple. Be who God has called you to be. Be the husband that God has called you to be or the wife that God has called you to be. Be the single person that you're called to be right now. Uh, there was a great biblical theologian, and his name was John Wesley. 
And John Wesley, he's remembered for saying this quote. He said, you have one business on earth, one business on earth, and that's to save souls. Okay, well, that's pretty simplistic, right? That, if that's our responsibility, we have this one thing on earth to do, and that's to save souls. But, but what does that look like? Is it us going out and preaching? Is it us going out and doing these things? I, I tell you, the thing that we see that is most effective is to simply be. Be who God has called you to be. There's no thing that can minister more greatly to people than you being who God has called you to be. Now, as we're in this time of quarantine, some of us, we, we've encountered or we've met some people that we don't like. And let me explain. The people we don't like maybe is the real us. We, we've encountered a person that's easily angered. Maybe a person that wants to perhaps turn to substance. A person that is unsatisfied, maybe with life or maybe with themselves. We've encountered someone in quarantine that is ourself, someone that's been on the inside. And so in this series of keeping the change, we need to keep who we want to be. We need to keep who God has called us to be. We need to keep fighting to be the men that we want to be, the women that we want to be, the parents we want to be. I know that uh, in quarantine at times, I've seen a parent that I don't want to be. Can I get a man? (laughs) I need to be the husband that I want my wife to have. Um, So my first point, again, keeping it simple. Keep it simple. The second point is be open. So two points today. Keep it simple and be open. So going back to Hebrews 12, going back to Hebrews 12, 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us lay aside every weight. Okay, so who are these witnesses? What is being talked about right here? Who are these witnesses? So this is Hebrews chapter 12 is what we just read. But in Hebrews chapter 11, the previous chapter, this talks about the heroes of faith. The heroes of faith. These are the men and the women of the Old Testament that are being honored for their ability to remain faithful to God to being open to God's plan, being open to being faithful to him. So it references men like Abraham. Abraham, who who was open to leave everything behind, to do what God had called him to do, to move to somewhere he didn't even know. Him being open and faithful to even sacrifice the son that God gave him. Being open. He was a hero of faith. Rahab. She's talked about, and, and if you know the story of Rahab, she was a, a temple prostitute, but she was someone that was kind of in a authority there in Jericho. But she had to be open to honor and be faithful to God to hide these Hebrew spies. And because of that, God saved her and her family. Think about Noah being open to God's direction. He was even opening himself up to criticism as, as people thought he was crazy, but he was open in following God. Jacob, he's the last one I'll mention, but he was open to to wrestling with his angel all through the night because he wanted more connection with God. Because of this, he became the father of the nation of Israel. So I reference all these people. This is referenced in this passage because these heroes of faith, they faced obstacles. 
I think if you think about some of the things that have been going on in your life, and even as you think about your past, you faced obstacles also. And so what's being reiterated here is that if they can do it, we can too. Take off these burdens. Keep things simple. Now, um, I'll, have, I'll have Carrie go ahead and come on up here. Last time as we were here, we were talking about um, our, our calling. We talked about our calling that we are here for the, for the unreached and overlooked uh, people of Ecuador, people of the world. And that we, we wanted to come and preach to those, those people. We realized that there was a lot of uh, things that we had to open ourselves up to. And so as, as that was, some of it was opening ourselves up as we left the country. Some of it was opening ourselves up to new aspects of ministry for the future. You can come over here. Uh, we realized that there had to be openness as we moved ahead in ministry. Because some of the things that we, we thought that we would be doing, some of the things that, that feel, felt like a really heavy weight to us, we found out that we would be doing different things, and we had to be open to God's calling. Go ahead, Mary. Hi. We do love you guys. I have to follow back up, though, before I get to share with you my story. Um, you know, when Josh was in the hospital, it doesn't make me cry now, um, and we have a lot of great churches that support us, but there was one church that took time and prayed for us on that Sunday, and it was you guys. And I don't know if it was Josh or if it was Caitlin, but someone sent me a message. And so can I just tell you, nothing really carried us through all those seasons than your prayers, nothing more than your prayers. So I love you guys. You can all, I mean, I want to hug each of you, but you can just go ahead and hug yourself from me, okay? Um, but I'm so happy I get to share a story with you. It is my most treasured story from the field. And so, um, as Josh said, you know, we kind of went through some really crazy things on the field. And so, for me, it was when we were actually in Costa Rica, our first couple months on the field at language school. And um, what would end up happening is the enemy would start to whisper a lie to me over and over and over throughout our term, our whole time on the field, or the majority of the time that we were on the field. And, um, you know, that started in Costa Rica when we were actually miscarrying our second child is... I remember exactly where I was when the enemy said, Carrie, this is too hard. Pack up and go home. Go home. And that's something that I would hear him say over and over throughout the different things we faced from a miscarriage, from Josh being in the hospital, from getting robbed, just all these crazy circumstances that were happening over and over. The enemy would say, just go home. This is too hard. You didn't sign up for this. Go home. And, you know, during that time, as I'm in the word, I was like, God, can you give me a fresh word to counteract that? And honestly, God was really silent. I don't know how quarantine's been for you or not, but sometimes when it, life feels really crazy, sometimes it feels like God can be really, really quiet. And so we're going through this whole journey, and, and all I can attribute it back to is that God never stopped calling. He never released me to get to go home. But that didn't change what the enemy kept trying to speak to me. And so fast forward, because I'm only on a short window of time, so fast forward um, months and months and months later, is I'm in the back of a taxi, we're in a new city, we're driving around, and I see a group of Muslim men who I'd never seen before. I'd never seen any Muslims in Ecuador whatsoever. 
but standing underneath a little sign that was for a mosque. And I said, God, I didn't even know this people group was here, but if you give me an open door with this group, I will take it. And so months go by, additionally, and I kind of forgot that I even prayed that prayer. It was like the prayer that was offered in grace, not faith, because I totally spaced that it even happened. And lo and behold, God, and I'll save you all the details, but God ends up bringing into our lives a Muslim refugee couple that had become our dear, dearest and sweetest friends that we made while we were on the field. And so my, my favorite story, my treasured story that I get to share with you is the day that my friend Miriam, my Muslim friend Miriam, came over to my house and we got to hang out for the first time one-on-one. -on -one. And so she's over and we're talking about all things culture because she's from the Middle East and I'm from the United States, so we already don't have like anything in common, but we're both in Ecuador. And so we were talking cultural things of what's normal in the States, what's normal in Ecuador, what's normal in the Middle East. And so we're just going through and chatting. And so I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to ask her about her headpiece, about her hijab. And so I asked her, I'm like, is it a happy day when a woman gets to start covering her head? Is it a sad day? What kind of emotions go with that? And I'll never forget what she said. She looked really sad and she said, oh no, it's a really sad day. She's like, it's the day that, you know, we have a saying in Arabic that the day a woman has to cover her head is the day God starts counting the hairs on her head as sin if they're seen by another man. And in that moment, two things became really, really clear to me. One was when Jesus said, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. I realized, oh, I have never felt the burden of a God who counts the hairs on my head as a way to separate me from him, but he counts the hairs out of my head out of love and affection and pure joy of who I am. But then the second thing is literally that day God broke his silence to me, church. And as I sat there, he said, Carrie, aren't you so glad you didn't go home? Aren't you glad you didn't go home? You can clap for Jesus, because honestly, the only thing that kept me in the field, that kept us there, was a love for God and a, an unwillingness to just go do what we wanted. It was the fact that God never ca stopped calling. But God said, he said so clearly, aren't you so glad you, you didn't go home? And it was in that moment I was able to introduce her for the first time to share Jesus with her for the first time, that that whole idea of I don't serve an angry God or a God that's angry with me or a God that's counting hairs as reasons to keep me from him. And so my challenge to you today, I'm going to preach for a second, I'm sorry, is I don't know what your whole last 18, 19 weeks since March whatever has been, but don't pack up and go home. I don't know what God is asking you to do or what God is, what bold prayers and faith you need to pray now because you're going to see it come to fruition in a couple months. But can I just encourage you, church, to hang on a little longer? If God has called you to something and it's quiet and it's not what you wanted it to be and it's not even what feels good and it feels difficult and it's tragic and it's hard, and I understand that, I understand what it is to be walking through dark, scary times. 
and wanting to find an, a way out. But can I just encourage you to be open to what God has already called you to do, but to hang on just a bit longer. Because I don't know, you may have a Miriam that needs to be told that there is an affectionate God that cares for her. That Miriam may be in your family. I don't know. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know what it looks like, but I just do. Be open and hang on to what God has told you and what he's called you to. Isn't she a babe? <laughs> All that to say, uh, again, being open. You know, as Carrie mentioned some of these things, you know, I, I same type of thing. As I was in the hospital, I, I was going through this mindset of, you know, God, I, I'm faithful to you. Why did this happen? Why, why are we here? What, what's going on? It was uh, even later, you know, 10 days prior to Christmas, uh, we had people come into our home and rob us. And uh, the next day, Carrie and I sat on the bed and uh, I cried. And I said, God, you know, did we miss this? Why are we here? I said to Carrie, I said, you know, maybe Pastor Brian will hire us. Maybe we can come back to the States. <laughs> and in the midst of these things, I was saying, God, you know, why? Why am I here in the midst of this? And so there were other things that were difficult. You know, we, we had other things that happened. But in the midst of these things, it was like, Lord, I know you're here. I know you're faithful. I don't know why I'm here, but I know you're here. And uh, again, it wasn't until uh, my friend Muhammad was, was in my living room talking to me. And he said, you know, you're the first Christian man I've ever met. And that's when God said to me, and this is why you're here. Because if you can go through, if, if I can get you through the, all of these things that lead you to have this conversation, to have these moments, this is why you're here. And I, I'm being honest with that I would go through the hardship. I'd go through those things all over again for the sake of the opportunity to get to do that. And so my challenge for you today is keep it simple. Be open. It was love and obedience for Jesus that got us to Ecuador and faith in being open to the call that causes us to step out and to stay. God is looking for everyday people to carry out his will. What do you need to be open to? Maybe some of you, uh, you're without work. Maybe you've come into some financial hardship through all of this. Be open. Maybe you've lost some relationships or friendships in the midst of this. Be open because God is working out things according to his will. What is he asking you? What is he preparing you for? How will you in your everyday carry out the gospel? I shared this quote three years ago when I was here, and it still applies. It's Dallas Willard. He says this, the obvious well-kept secret of the ordinary is that it's made to be a receptacle of divine, a place where the life of God flows. And so in our ordinary, ordinariness, be open because God wants to move in our lives. My favorite passage, uh, just because I feel like it applies so much to, to all of us, is in Exodus chapter 4. It's where Moses is arguing with God. It starts out in verse 1. He says, God, what if people don't believe me? What if they don't believe that you called me? And in verse 2, God says to him, what's in your hand? 
And it's just this staff. It's this walking staff. It's this thing that he used to, to guide the sheep. And he says, what's in your hand? And he said, it's a staff. And he tells him to throw it on the ground. And what happens? It turns into a snake. And Moses is so startled that he runs from it. <laughs> but after he comes back, we see that in verse, verse 5, God says this. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And so I think about that, that little staff, that this was the staff that when it was raised, the Israelites defeated their enemies. That this staff, when it was struck against a rock, it provided water for all the Israelites. That when it was raised again, that the Red Sea was parted and they were able to escape their, their captors. What has God placed in your hand today? What has God put in your heart? Who are you called to be? So today as we wrap up, Josh is going to come up, or I, I don't know how it's going to go, but we're happy to pray for you. I believe that God is speaking to some of you. Maybe he's speaking to you about healing. Maybe he's speaking to you about something that he's calling you to do specifically. We love this church. We pray for you. We are advocates for you, and we will pray for you in person, whether that's laying hands on you or not, whatever you want. But man, we love you guys, and we just want you to know that God has great plans for you. Keep it simple. Be open. Thank you for letting us share today.